I believe that that my guy wasn't the only mark out there. I believe that this was her full-time job, that she was going around and luring older, gullible, um, desperate men who were eager to get the girlfriend experience. Okay, everybody, welcome to Cases Gone Wild. We're back at you again. We have a very exciting episode today and kind of a first for us today. You know, normally we trash insurance companies and corporations all day on the show. Today, we're going to get the other perspective. We have a very special guest with us today who actually does defense work, which means he defends people who are getting sued, insurance companies uh, and corporations. We're going to talk about some of the craziest cases gone wild that he's seen. I'm your host, John Marco. As you know, I've been practicing for about two decades, and I've seen some of the craziest, most insane cases that you won't believe, and we talk about them on this show. Each show, we bring on great attorneys to give perspectives and uh, different episodes. And by the way, people, I want to let you know, I heard from a lot of people that they didn't know that there's actual live video of this show. If you want to watch us and not just hear us, please go to our YouTube channel, That's Marco Law, Cases Gone Wild. If you type it in on Google and and follow us, if you like us, please be sure to subscribe and share to your friends. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce my good friend, great attorney, trial lawyer extraordinaire, which I can't say about a lot of people. Appreciate that. But Tony Randazzo, thank you for coming on the show, Tony. It's a pleasure, John. Pleasure. Thank you for being here. And Tony, you you have a very impressive resume. So you're a partner at Seacrest Wardle, which is a very well-known defense firm. And I think they're well-known for trying a lot of cases. Yeah, we tried probably about 20 cases in the last calendar year. So. That's amazing. That's more than most firms. I know that your firm values trying cases, which I respect. You guys are formidable adversaries. I don't like seeing you on my yeah. cases that much. but Feelings uh, mutual, John. Feelings <laughs> mutual. Uh, so Tony is the chair of, of the Trucking and Commercial Vehicle Practice Group. And you have a very diverse practice here. You've done all kinds of stuff. And we're going to talk about some of that today, but toxic torts, so environmental torts, commercial and business law, governmental litigation, you've done it all, uh, which you have to be intelligent and you have to have a a wide skill set to be able to shift between practice areas. It's like a doctor, you know, you're like working on the heart, then you're working on the brain, then you're working on the feet. So it's, there's not a lot of people that can do that. I think that says a lot about you. You graduated from University of Detroit. You went to Oakland University. You're a Michigander. Yep. Uh, Live with your family in Rochester Hills, is it? Uh, Shelby Township. Shelby Township. Very close, on the border. Shelby Township. All right, you have a great family, beautiful wife and beautiful kids. I appreciate that, John. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your practice and what you do, because you're the first defense attorney on our show. What does it mean to be a defense attorney? Well, I'm the first, first for everything. So that's great. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. We, my firm handles primarily cases that come to us from an insurance carrier. Uh, the insurance carrier will, uh, have an insured who's been sued for something. Could be anything. Could be from a slip and fall, a trucking accident. Uh, I do advertising injury, copyright, uh, trademark, uh, anything that potentially is covered by insurance we may handle. So the carrier will call us up and then, uh, we handle the case and, because we're a you know full service litigation insurance defense firm, you got to be nimble in terms of the types of areas that you're able to uh, practice and be proficient in. So we've been doing, I've been doing that the last you know 20 years almost, and my firm's been doing it for I think 120 years. Uh, so we just try to keep that tradition going. Uh, we produce a lot of good trial lawyers around town, and we want to keep that going. Um, that's why we don't like to see a lot of the um, alumni on the other side of the case is because we know they're well-trained. So Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, that's great. And, you know, we do we do talk about insurance companies and kind of, I like to trash on insurance companies yeah. through my personal experience. Uh, but you, I found you to be a very upstanding and ethical attorney, uh, candid attorney. Now you fight like hell, but uh, there's a lot to be said about that, to be able to have a mutual respect because we're on different sides, Tony, you know? Yeah, you know what? It, what most people don't realize is everyone as a lawyer thinks they have the best case, right? 
Uh, and I think you have to be intellectually honest about the facts of the case. Sometimes it comes in and, and the carrier doesn't have all the information uh, to make a decision. Um, but the carriers that I, I uh, get my cases from, it, primarily all of them, um, will pay what they owe. Uh, and, and that's kind of the mantra that they have. Um, contrary to common belief that that is that is consistent. Now, sometimes you have on both sides, zealous advocates who I think because of ego, um, lose sight of their client or the insurer's uh, mantra, because there's no sense in defending a case where there's no defense, uh, because it's going to run up the insurance uh, costs in terms of the attorney fees, and it's going to expose your client. And sometimes the insurance um, isn't enough to cover your client's uh, potential loss. And I don't right. represent the insurance carrier. I represent the individual who they may insure. So my focus is never on in terms of how much dollars and cents the insurance carrier will pay. It's how much is that risk for my client? And that's what it's supposed to be. But yeah. what you're saying, you know, is true. Like we have cases, for example, like let's say a drunk driver or maybe not a drunk driver, distracted driver hits someone kills them. Okay. Mm -hmm. That has, that's a huge potential liability case, right? Could be millions of dollars, but maybe that person only has a hundred thousand dollars of insurance. Uh, and so you, you're paid by the insurance company to represent that person through their own insurance. Right. Uh, but ultimately your ethical obligations, first and foremost, are to the client, which is the person, right? A absolutely. And sometimes, I mean, there's situations in most policies where the carrier can settle the claim without the consent of the insured, except for malpractice cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but vice versa, if a client, um, you know, it's a huge exposure and the client doesn't want to pay or there's a principled uh, reason not to pay and, and to go forward with it because it has an effect on their life. I mean, I just tried a case uh, over the summer where the individual was like, I don't want uh, to be labeled as to killing someone, uh, to be the cause of someone's death. And I got to stand up because even a settlement isn't going to get that mark off of uh, what's going on and, and how people perceive me and right. what the accident, how the accident occurred. So uh, sometimes the clients are very steadfast and it's an opportunity not just to be heard, but potentially to be vindicated. And that's, that's important. That now, is important. That's it, what it's about. Yeah. And you got to counsel them because that could be an expensive proposition. Um, if, if, you know, principle, it sounds great in theory, but if they got hit for millions of dollars, they're like, well, why didn't you tell me that, you know, I, and these are things tough. we have to consider on yeah. both sides. So let me talk about, and look, there's a lot of lawyers out there. You see these billboards everywhere. There's a lot of cases. I'm lucky in my practice that I can pick and choose my cases at this point in my career. It wasn't always like that. Uh, but there's some, you look, there's no question. There's some cases that are just should never be filed. And so we always talk on this show about how unreasonable the insurance companies are, blah, 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 which I believe on my cases. But I want to hear from your perspective <clears throat> on those cases that I don't have. What are like, what's the worst case gone wild? Like the shittiest case that you've ever seen? Oh, there's so many, uh, John. Um, there was a recent case within the last couple of years where a, a mother and daughter live up, you know, upper region of Michigan. And uh, they said that they were injured in a car accident. It was a fender bender, uh, but they were claiming some extraordinary injuries. So uh, fender bender, like like little damage, yeah. just like a tap and go. Yeah, little damage that wouldn't really produce much in, the, in terms of damage, no serious damage okay, um, whatsoever. And the claims were that these mother and daughter suffered significant head trauma. Like brain damage? Traumatic brain injuries. Okay. And and so we get the case, and I mean, it leaps off the page because we look at the damage of the vehicle, and it's like, there ain't no way this accident produced those injuries. And now, the, low impact can sometimes cause injuries if you hit your head or something like that. Absolutely. You got to look at everyone, uh, every one of the cases on its own merit and see if there's acceleration, deceleration forces. Um, so it may not tell the whole story. But when you look at uh, the litany of, uh, of medical records, the providers who are providing the services, it causes us always to kind of scratch our head, say, ah, uh, cause a little bit question in our like mind. Maybe she's faking it. Maybe she's faking it. And the providers may, may be the experts we've seen before. Um, 
And so in this case, I got the case and I'm like, okay, um, we do what's called an iChat or background search on all of our all of the plaintiffs. I mean, so iChat is you can get like their criminal background. That's right. right? Okay. Get their criminal background, do a social media uh, search, dive, um, because sometimes they just leave it out there for everyone to see. And in this case, we, we noticed that about three months after this tra traumatic accident, as they alleged, and all these injuries, um, the plaintiff had an altercation at a McDonald's. Okay. So just like a separate day. Separate day. So there's this lady, she's claiming that she's like so brain damaged, what, she can't do anything in her life? She or? can't move out from her house. She can't, she needs a caregiver. She can't, she oh, can't so like do an, anything. Like she, completely disabled. She's completely, yeah. Completely unable to do common things in, in her life. So what happened to McDonald's? So, so we're like, okay, there's an altercation at McDonald's. So we pull the police report and we pull... And we noticed that there's a video and we're like, oh, well, this is like, this happened three months after the accident. It's been less than a year uh, since that altercation. Let's see if McDonald's still has the video. McDonald's didn't have it, but the police department certainly still did uh, because she was charged with assault and battery. And um, when we got the video, uh, I, I, I kid you not, I get the video. I see that someone, a male, uh, is walking from a McDonald's exit, going to their car. Then there's a female, which looks to be the plaintiff who shouldn't have been out of bed. So Walk the lady that was saying she was disabled and needed a caregiver, a nurse, and all this stuff. There was a miracle that day, apparently, and she's able to not just go to the McDonald's. She wanted those nuggets, man. Right, one, one of those nuggets. And uh, this is my McDonald's case. She is out there with a crowbar, hunting this guy down, just whacking. With a crowbar? With a crowbar. Whacking him, whacking him. On em. video. On video, on video. Now. And I'm like, this, this is incredible. This is a lady who is claiming all these injuries. And so her credibility went downhill. It also showed in the, in the police report that there are some pills in the- Drugs. In drugs. Um, yeah. Juries don't like drugs and uh, people beating strangers with crowbars. They don't like crazy. liars. They don't like liars. And, yeah. and I think that's what that case came down to because when I deposed uh, her about- about, I don't know, about a year after the McDonald's incident, about a year and a half after she filed the case, I asked her, you know, what could you do after that accident? And nothing, she can't do anything. So she's saying in the court case, I was so hurt by this accident, I'm basically an invalid, I can't do anything. Can't do anything, I'm brain damaged, I can't drive myself anywhere, I, I haven't driven myself anywhere, I can't take care of myself, I can't, and she's claiming also not just traumatic brain injury, but also, Injuries like, to her back, neck. I can't move. You know, and I, she didn't know that you had this absolutely. McDonald's beatdown video. No, and yeah. and she, I, she clearly didn't know because uh, during the course of the uh, during the course of of the examination, I was basically you can't move, you can't contort your body, you can't lift up a crowbar, you can't swing it and hit somebody. I mean, I went through it all, and she was saying no, no, I couldn't do it. She was agreeing with me. Did you show her the video? Uh, I didn't show her the video then, but I got her locked in to all the things. I was basically watching the video on my screen while I'm asking the questions of her. Because this, I think this was like right during um, COVID. So like, yeah, yeah, over yeah. Zoom. So I'm Zoom. watching, I got all these cameras. So I'm asking her every, like a play-by-play, -play, like you can't do this, 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 agreeing with me. And then I file a motion and then the case gets settled. And they wanted just several million dollars and yeah. it, it's settled confidentially probably but. not a lot you know tony that that's interesting because look i bet that attorney who represented this woman didn't know about the that. attorney was a first of all the attorneys that represented uh that individual were fantastic attorneys in 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 detroit and very frankly have a national reputation very good lawyers um they didn't know once that deposition occurred I got a phone call. Yeah. And right? that's, I, I've been there. Uh, you know, I think on both sides, look, we do, we try to do the best we can and we are, or can only work with what information we're given. Right. So normally I'm pretty good at smelling it out. Uh, if you know, something smells fishy yeah. and I always ask, you know, do you have any criminal history, things like that, but there is instances, right. Where maybe the client on both sides, I'm sure you've dealt with it too is not being fully candid with you or is exaggerating. And there's nothing worse than being in the middle of a case that we devote 
because from our side, we don't get paid by the hour. Right. We get paid if we win. And if we win, you know, a right. hundred bucks, we ain't making any money, you know? So we have to be very careful uh, on the cases that we take. And, and it affects our credibility too. Like there's some attorneys who are known, I think, for filing any type of case, no matter what, right? And that pervades everything because then they get a good case and- it's already looked at skeptically by the insurance company. Would you agree? Uh, you know, it's a, it's you couldn't. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, first off, we have cases. We've had cases where I've had to fire clients because they weren't honest with me. Yeah, because it is a credibility issue. It's a credibility because, you know, I I love all the clients that I have, but clients come and go. Your reputation stays, and you got to make arguments to a court. And if you're not being honest, or if you're taking cases that are always on the fringe. Uh, you lose credibility, not with just with the other side, uh, but also with the court. And that's your reputation. That's your there. reputation. Yeah. You know, there's because just so everybody knows, when we file anything with a court on the very front page, it has the client's name, the case number, and then our name and our yep. firm's name. And so that's the first thing that the court reads. And, you know, I've had, heard had judges tell me, oh, they see the attorney's firm name and they roll their eyes and they're already looking at it skeptically because of the reputation that they have. You know, and I fired clients too. I had one case when I first was very young and started out. And you know, you don't get to pick and choose back then. Right. You, you work on with what your boss gives you. And it was this guy, same thing, auto accident, claimed he was totally disabled and then he needed a caregiver. Well, the defense attorneys in that case started deposing people and digging and digging and digging. And when you dig and dig, stories can fall apart. Sure. And I remember in this case, the guy's like, oh, yeah, he was this big dude. He was probably weighed like 250 pounds. He's like, I think his name was like Baba, okay, <laughs> in, in Detroit. And he said, yeah, I can't do anything. I need help, like, getting up and down the stairs and stuff. And then his caregiver came in, and his caregiver said, yeah, I, I carry his naked body from the shower up and down the stairs and they're like, well, describe the the house for me. And the guy couldn't even describe the house. I just remember walking out of that thing. I was like, this, 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 this is a fraud thing. And I said, I can't, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I can't be involved in this case. And I withdrew. And the defense attorney actually shook my hand and said, I admire that you withdrew from a case. Not many lawyers would do that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I don't want to be in that position either because it affects all of us. So uh, anyways, okay, so that's that's kind of a McDonald's case gone yeah. gone downhill. Tell me about some of your crazy complex cases because you don't just do like the auto accident case. You do some crazy, really truly cases gone yeah. wild. There's a there's a case that I defended about four years, three four years ago. It was uh, the sex lies and videos taped case. Okay, sex lies and videos. See, this is case gone wild. Yeah, it, it was an amazing case. I get the complaint, and and by the way, I, I got into the case maybe about three months after the the lawsuit had initially been filed. Okay, I get the case assigned. Um, for, what kind of case is it? Yeah, it's an intentional infliction of emotional distress slash a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, the complaint read like a movie. It was. Um, my client, who was a 50-year-old doctor, wow. was essentially taking advantage of a 28-year-old um, female. And like a patient? Or? No, no, no. This was like uh, a relationship. Like he like brainwashed her using his might and all of his you know, expensive cars and his, his bank account. Like to, a sugar dad. Yeah, like a sugar dad to convince her and, and bring her into his harem. Uh, and well, that's illegal. I, they better lock me up. No, no I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Um, but so the complaint read like, you know, they're feed, he's feeding her alcohol and drugs and a whole bunch of very crazy allegations. And this is in a public lawsuit, public pleading. And, you know, it read like, you know, almost to like twist the guy's arm to settle the case because allegations like that, um, can have a huge impact. Yeah, they're on disastrous. Well, in someone's livelihood, as, as being you can a doctor. lose your law license or your uh, medical sure. license. They could take it away. You know that because because in our profession, like part of our ability to practice is based on good character, right? And Absolutely. If you're doing that type of stuff, you could get in big trouble, reputational damage. So this was all put in a complaint. Obviously, they weren't together in a relationship anymore. They weren't. Okay. They, they weren't. Um, so how it started is, you know, my guy is 
a, was a refugee, came here when he was like five, 10 the years doctor. old, the doctor. And he goes to like um, a different state with his family. They settle down and education was huge in the family. And this is a land of opportunity. So he's going to go to school. And he did that. He went to school, went to great universities across the country. And he focused primarily on uh, his studies and then the practice of medicine. By the time he looks up, he's 50 years old. He's only been in maybe one or two relationships. He's about five, six, um, 150 pounds soaking wet um, and has had trouble in the dating scene. So he then takes to the apps. You know, not didn't yeah. do apps, but you know, I'm a little bit older. Um, apps, man, were it, the way to go when it, I was. It, it is around. now. Yeah. It is now. I think I, I met my wife in 97. So it was a little bit different back then. The internet just, I think, came out. Um, but so he took to the apps. And this 28 year old uh, plaintiff, she lived at home with her parents, uh, was going to school, didn't have a job, no source of income, but through social media background search, she liked the finer things in life. I mean, yeah. she liked the Louboutin shoes, Gucci, um, but she didn't have, uh, you know, she had a Kirkland bank account from Costco. I mean, she, she didn't have yeah. the means to get there. Sounds like my ex. Okay. Yeah. So. so so she goes there and she's like, how am I, how am I gonna fulfill my, my needs, right? So she takes to the, the apps and looks Matches for people. Matches with this guy. Yeah, who, can, who can fill my needs? Nothing wrong with that, but how can I fill my needs? And so she basically tells my guy, hey, let's meet up. Let's get together. She can see who he is. Right. She can see his credentials and you can see who she is. I so mean, she's like, like a mark. Almost. He's a mark. I mean, that, that's there's no other way uh, to put it. He was a mark. And they, they enter into the relationship and, um, you know, she likes, took her out for sushi and that'll become important later on when we go through this story. Um, likes, likes sushi, alcohol, and, you know, saw that he had fine cars, loved his house in Bloomfield, loved it. Um, so she was hook, line, and sinker, and she set those the hooks into him. Right. And how long did they date or whatever? So the relationship went on and off for about three years. Okay, so, so it was a long... It wasn't like a one-night thing. No, it wasn't, but it was kind of interesting because the relationship would wax and wane depending on how many gifts he was showering oh, her with, oh, right? Man. So he's convincing himself that this is the love of his life. He found... She's, you know, to him, a knockout. She's a five foot ten blonde, thin, wears very promiscuous, you know, dress. Um, so he's convinced he's head over heels. So he's he's in love. He's hooked, right? And and she, unbeknownst to him, behind his back is laughing, you know, with her friends, saying, This guy's ugly. I'm gonna basically squeeze this guy for everything. Um, he didn't know that then, he knows it now. And uh, so every time she would send him like um, she'd go on online shopping, send him screenshots like, hey, buy me this. Hey, buy me this. Hey, buy me that. No address here. Give me this. Oh, my God. Let's go out. And that would go on. And as he got cheaper, as he felt comfortable, you know, as we all do, all men get, you know, at first we're giving you everything. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, as it yeah. goes on, that's the real test of a woman. Um, you know, my wife thinks I'm probably the cheapest guy in the world, um, but she's still with me. <laughs> Uh, but as that kind of went downhill, she'd move away, right? Move off the scene, be less in contact, give him the cold shoulder. And the relationship never really, at its height, never went more than like two days a week, okay. once every other okay. week. To him, that was a lot because he was used to nothing. Uh, but she wasn't, this wasn't a part, this was a part time gig for her. Um, so, where did things go wrong in this? Uh... Well, the rope of dope happened a couple of times. Like, okay, I'm going to go away from you. You come back. You give me more gifts back and forth. And then finally, she just came to the conclusion that this guy's just cheap. I mean, he was literally buying her Kirkland stuff uh, from Costco. And she's hey, like, hey, man, oh, there's I, some good Kirkland I, stuff, I, bro. I got some of my dude, kitchen right it. now. Come I got on. three daughters. That's all we shop at, man. Yeah. It's funny because when this I- This girl didn't appreciate well, the Well, it's brand. funny. I go to work sometimes and I'll see someone wearing the same exact shirt. I'm like, Kirkland? He's like, yeah, Kirkland. Yeah. So yeah. we're in the Kirkland club. Um, so I said, and that's the only club I belong to, the Sam's Club. So we, she at the very end essentially just says, okay, hey, look, let's break it down. If you give me X, I'll give you Y. Oh, so she just went pure transactional. She's like, you know what? Let's go pure. This guy's not getting it. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. Let's go yeah. pure transactional. And unbeknownst to him, he's she's laughing with the girlfriends and says that she's learned this idea from watching the girlfriend experience on Showtime. 
I don't know that show. Well, I looked it up, and it's where these escorts basically sell men the girlfriend experience. Like, I'll be your girlfriend, but it's all you it's all pay. a transaction. You got to pay. And at that time, he's like blown away. Like, he's devastated, right? And, and I should back up because during the relationship, it was when they saw each other, the, you know, when he was actually paying for sushi or giving her good guess. I mean, the sex was on. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was on, right? And not only that, she's like, let's make some tapes, right? So they're oh, making tapes. Video tapes. There you go. That's, that's oh, the video tapes. Yeah. Let's make some tapes. Now this is where it gets wild. It gets real wild. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of tapes and there's a lot of, you know. Now are all these tapes exchanged in the lawsuit? So you're getting to watch these tapes or? They they, they were. Um, and, you know, they've all been you know, subsequently uh, destroyed. But yeah. um, it, So you are in the office with like a bunch of young associates and you're like, Here's your project today. You need Man, to go watch all these sex tapes. It was so funny. I took a, a young clerk. It's, it's the funniest thing you say that. I took a clerk, um, very, very uh, smart kid, um, but he may have been a lawyer for less than a year. Actually, he may, have, he may not have been a lawyer. And so my first sign was like, hey, summarize these tapes. And then I get a call from my, my, um, my, the, the department that does like overflow, like typist work. Yeah, yeah. Because he dictated it. And he's like, uh, yeah, he's getting kind of very specific on some of the stuff in the videos. Like, uh, do we have to get this specific? I'm like, oh, I call him that's like, a touchy like, issue, man. Like, like somebody's walking yeah. by like, Hey Bill, yeah. how's your day? Do you yeah. go in? And then there's like a porno going yeah. on in the background. Well, and it's like, I, I Oh no, 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 dude. No, no. no this no. is for a client. Don't, don't look down here. This is yeah, for a client. No, it was all the attorneys in the case. We kept it segregated and yeah, we kept them yeah. in a room because you know, as an owner of a company, I'm very I mean, even. Yeah, on, that's a even sensitive evidence, thing. Even man. on evidence, you know, we're very sensitive. You to have to be stuff. sensitive yeah. with evidence. We've had some crazy stuff, dude. I have had human tissues in my freezer at work before. You it's know, amazing. it's labeled. There's, it's sitting yeah. next to the, the um, roast beef. You know, yeah, the roast beef and meatballs. So don't take that one. That's yeah. the human tissue. Okay, so uh, all right, so we got sex tapes, and this thing goes wrong, and so what happens? He he, he is devastated. He's like. He just came to the realization that she's not who he thought she was. This is not someone he's he's going to marry. And they talked. To, she has dangled that out to him, like she's uh, manipulating. Marry, yeah, well, we conniving. Can, she is. Uh, she's smart. Professional. She's very smart. Yeah. Very. Um, you know, this is not some weak, meager person who's taken advantage of. Uh, my my client, although his age would would suggest he's more mature. He, in terms of the dating scene and the sex scene, he's extremely immature. Okay. I mean, that can happen, man. I, yeah. I got a guy, one of my best friends is a lawyer in Wisconsin. And he ended up meeting this girl on this OnlyFans. You know yeah. this OnlyFans? I've heard about this. Or through like a website yeah. or through an app or something. And he had almost the same thing happen. Now, there was no lawsuit, uh, at least not yet. But, you know, it was like he got rope-a-doped in. Yep. And... Uh, taking advantage of and she was seeing other guys at the same time and on sugar daddy websites because there's apparently all these different sites now Tunnel. where it's it's almost like easy and i think it almost makes it like more like acceptable it's still not like totally no, today in today's society i mean it's funny you say that because to me i'm like whoa but when I ask the young cats coming up, they're like, oh, yeah, dude, we all do this. Like, we yeah, all run yeah. sites. Like, this is you know, the, yeah. the norm. Like, it'd be weird to meet somebody in church or at, a, like, a bar. Like, you don't meet yeah. or in school. Right. You meet them on sites, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and it's funny because when you get to trial, if you had to try these cases, you got to be cognizant of who your audience is. And right. half of them may be on those sites, you know? So it may not be as explosive as you think right. uh, when you first, you know, uncover right. that material. But with her... She was like, I know the guy's rich, right? So intuitively, she's like, well, if I file a lawsuit, claim some things, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get what I think I'm owed from this. So she this sues this guy after the relationship kind of dissolves or right. whatever. And what is so she says, what kind of lawsuit is it? I mean, you can't sue well, someone for sex money because no, you can't sue no, people for illegal things. It's right? like anything else. They all sue for intentional infliction, emotional stress. Um, you know, but that's a rare claim. Just stalking. So, okay, stalking is something. But just so our viewers understand, our non-lawyers, intentional infliction, emotional distress, I can't tell you the last time I fought a case like that. What that means is 
you have someone has to do something like so offensive and intentional that they're like trying to ruin your life it has to be so outrageous right i forget the standard it, but it's like extreme so and outrageous conduct goes beyond the all bounds of human decency that would cause like, some like severe it's very stress. rare it's i very think rare. the last case there was a case against detroit 911 operator the guy's like my mom is dying my mom is having a heart attack she's dying on the floor in front of me and the operator was like laughing at them and being like oh i'm gonna go eat a sandwich like good luck it was crazy. That was uh, found to be intentional and outrageous. Yeah. But that is like the bar. I mean, that's a high right. bar. So okay. So what? Well, happens? well, why it's important though is as you, as I told you guys, or I told you earlier, in terms of like the sex tapes, the claim then was he surreptitiously, without her knowledge, was on some clandestine mission to videotape them having oh, sex. Oh, so she said he taped them secretly? Yeah, which is, which is there's cases on that, that that would be. That is, yeah, you, you, you cannot do secretly that. tape people having sex. You can do it if everybody agrees. Right, right. Um, but well, where was the camera? Like, was it a camera like we have right here out in the open? Um, or? John, the, the camera is like, yeah, just like looking into the camera, like everyone's waving. Was like, she there, waving? Uh, yeah, was she mean, like, mm, there, there was yeah, like, you uh, know, uh, uh. There, was, there was, I mean, there was admissions that she knew that they were being taped. So and, then, what, and then it changed to be like, oh, well, he was supposed to destroy him on you know, a certain date. I mean, it just kind of evolved. Yeah. Um, but there was never a, a point. Now, we had to get all this stuff in discovery. And there was God, man, what a nasty it. case to have to mounds go through, it. man. That's a Yeah, I mean, the text message. I mean, it was like, a you know, my, my, my little girls texting. I mean, how many texts? It's like pouring oh over gosh. these things. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that's, so that's, that was the basic claim in, you know, my guy's like, this is, this is not good. And I want to now. Do, do you even have, okay. Like, is there insurance for something like this? doesn't matter to me. Um, and, and here's the reason I say that is because when I get a call from a carrier saying it's potentially covered claim, I'm hiring you to represent them. I divorce myself, whatever goes on. And whether or not there's a deck action or whether or not there's ultimately insurance coverage is irrelevant to me. I have a relationship with the client. But like in a case, I, I get that. Yeah. But in a case like this, was did the doctor have to pay out of pocket or was there an insurance policy that? Well, there was um, there there was an insurance policy that I think there was a deck action file. And so what that means is for our viewers who are yeah, non-lawyers sure. is sometimes you have a close call in a lawsuit as to whether your insurance would cover it. And the insurance company says, we're gonna give you a lawyer, but it's our position, we don't have to cover this. But just to be safe, here's a lawyer. Because if they don't do that, uh, they could be held responsible if it's ultimately determined that they should have given you a lawyer. Right, and, and what smart plaintiff lawyers do, and, they, and the lawyer on the other side was a smart lawyer, uh, knew what he was doing. They file enough claims to, you just need one to You stick. just need one, right? Yeah. So they had invasion of privacy. They had a bunch of claims. Maybe they had negligence in there. Um, so there's a host of claims. And the complaint read like, like a gone wild story. This is story. crazy. So, okay, so what happens? So okay. What happens after you guys review all this pornography at the office? Yeah, so stuff? so there's uh, there's several depths taken. And these depths were over the course of three days. And three days. Yeah, they were like seven hours apiece. Um, oh my god! Yeah, so I, I took her dep plant's deposition three times. Now, um, you know, pre-suit my or actually before I got involved in this suit, another lawyer had the case, and um, he had actually suggested that they not do any surveillance. And so, surveillance is for people that don't know is you will hire like a private investigator right. to follow around the opposing party. That's right. Right? That's right to see like you like you talked about in that it wasn't really surveillance in that mcdonald's crowbar case but you had video of something that contradicted what she was saying in court basically right the, the mcdonald's that they just run their 24 yeah, hour that was brother just, is like no one's gonna break and enter but this Our is you have a guy go out i specifically have a guy go out and we do them on select cases it's a very dangerous thing in, in certain cases because juries may not like it but in this yeah. case 
30,000 foot view. I, I know that this 28 year old isn't sitting at home on a Friday night after my death. Well, why did you have surveillance? I mean, she wasn't claiming was she, she like she was brain damaged and in a wheelchair. So what, did, what was your thought on? I believe that that my guy wasn't the only mark out there. I believe that this was a full time job that she was going around and luring older, gullible, um, desperate men who were eager to get the girlfriend experience. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And this yeah, wasn't the first yeah. time. So I mean, so you thought she was doing yeah. this with other people? I had a hunch. Well, yeah, pretty good hunch. I mean, she shows up to the first step and she's wearing a miniskirt. I mean, stiletto heels. And I'm like, yeah, she's Did not she going. Ask you she's if not you going to, to go out. Or yeah, no? right. Okay. She ain't going to church after this meeting. Um, so, so what happened? So I call up my investigator. I'm like, look, she's going to leave. I want you to follow. I do the surveillance uh, after after day one. He um, he follows her. Within a half hour of that of that deposition concluding, he's great straight from the dep. Straight from the dep. All right. So she so just so so she's at a lawyer's office giving sworn testimony, yeah. and she was dressed up. To go out, yeah. So she leaves the dep, doesn't even go home. She just goes to where? Where does she go? Oh well, that's a great question. Thanks, John, for asking. Because the, the investigator's like, I got her at a sushi restaurant. Well, what's wrong? Come on, Tony. No, I, I like loves, sushi, buddy. For she, the record, she, like, she, I love sushi too. But she's got an mo. She got sushi. She's got some drinks, and then she gets, you know. Ah, the you know the guy consummated the, the deal. guy right. So I said, okay, she's. I go, who's she there with? Got pictures. It's a, like a fifty-seven-year-old man. I'm like, well, that ain't her dad because I just looked on Facebook and her yeah. brother looks a little bit younger than that. Uh, so I said, okay, well, keep on it. Just keep me posted. Half hour after that, he calls me, brother. You will not believe this. I go, let me guess. She's at a hotel. Huh. She's at a no hotel. No way. With the fifty-seven-year-old man. No way. And it's not my client. So but he was getting the girlfriend experience. He was getting the girlfriend experience. So so what? So what <laughs> happened amazing. with the case? What happened with the case? Well, we're not done yet because I go back. I said, okay, we know who this guy is. They're like, no, because he never left and I couldn't see. He came with her he, they, and he couldn't get the plate. It was something happened where he couldn't, we couldn't figure out who he was. I go, God, good evidence, but not great evidence because she can lie about it. She can go, oh, my brother's in from out of town or right, I was right, there to right, meet right. somebody. And, you know, if I don't trust her, she'll just find a way out. We take her dep again. This time, I asked them all questions like, hey, do you ever go out to, I don't know, vacation? No, I just stay at home. Do you ever go to hotels? Haven't been to a hotel in years. Great. Ah, lying. Leave See, it there. She would have been better off just uh, saying, yeah, I just had, gave a dude the girlfriend experience right. two days ago. It would have right. been more, right. more believable. More and the truth. Yeah, the truth. Um, and, and be separate, mutually exclusive of what she's dealing right, with. Right, right, right. right? Um, so I, I don't ask her any more questions other than just to seal it in to where she just lies. She's a okay. big liar, See, big then, fat liar, yeah. which is what they hate. And so the next step, I call my guy. I said, okay, we're going to do the same thing. The follower again. And wouldn't no you know, way. two for two, I'm batting a thousand. I should play baseball because two for two sushi, same guy, same hotel. This time we get his plates and now we can find out who he is. After that time, we then go, and I said, investigator, let's let's find this guy. Let's go to his house. And talk let's, to him. Let's, let's interview him. Now, we know he's married, at least according to our research. So it's like, uh, I'm not sure how the relationship is. It was a foreign last name, so I'm not sure what arrangement was going on there. Yeah. But I said, let's not do it at home, because I don't want to- You don't want to ruin the family. No, yeah, yeah. I, that's not my point. That's not my purpose. I just want to defend my guy without causing issues in other people's relationships. Right. So what we do is, I say, wait till- uh, you know, significant other leaves or follow the guy and then meet up with them and talk to him. He does. And he's like, ah. I call like, I don't want to lose my wife. This I'm like, dude, just get this, get the statement as what they were doing. They were in the room. Yeah. Girlfriend sex, experience. Girlfriend yeah. experience, blah, blah, blah. So next step goes on and I run through it. Lie, 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 lie. Don't know the guy. Never seen him. I've never been out with anyone other than my own oh age. Oh my gosh! Went, I mean, if she was playing Texas Hold'em, she went all in. Just went all in. On Big this. mistake. And then what I usually don't do, I, I knew we were never trying this case. There was never a a point where my client, a doctor, is going to defend those allegations in court because she'll say anything right to defame him. 
And regardless of the truthfulness or veracity or the lack thereof of the allegations, she's going to drag him through the mud and every employer in town is going to want to distance themselves. Right, right. right. So right. I knew That's like, if I needed leverage, this is the time. So I went the whole, let's go to the tape on this one. I went, and what did the attorney and she do when you showed the tape? The attorney was like, F-bomb, like, ah, like, uh, like, because, you know, the lawyer's a good lawyer. And yeah. he, he realized that the leverage just shifted significantly. And he probably didn't know his client was a complete liar no, either. No, she was no, selling him no a bag knowledge. of goods. No knowledge. Did, did the case go away then? It, it, it did go away. It did go away. But it was funny because when she, she was doing the sob story, like, oh, I'm poor me, poor me, poor me, go to the tape. The look in her eyes changed from, like, she wanted to kill me. Yeah. And then she goes, I'll never forget this. What else do you have? Oh I, I knew God. I knew right then, game, set, match. I mean, so, I mean, we resolved the case. You gave her the confidential- lawyer experience. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we, you gave we, her the good lawyer we, experience. We resolved it uh, confidenti- uh, confidentially. Dude, that is a crazy, crazy case gone wild. You know, I, I had surveillance as a plaintiff. It's very rare. A handful of times in my career that I've ever done surveillance. Because a lot of times surveillance is used to show that somebody's lying about the injuries, right? Or something like that. Or in this case, they had a pattern of practice. I do have a case gone wild involving surveillance of a defense attorney. Oh no. Okay. Wasn't me, was it? No, it wasn't you, bro. Don't worry. Uh, This was like about 10 years ago and it was an insurance defense attorney and the guy was not very honest. And so we had like a lot of problems with, with, uh, you know, butt heads. There was a lot of dishonesty going on. And we were ready to go to trial and we we get we appear for trial. Now, getting and appearing for trial, it's not like you just wake up and walk to the courthouse. You know how it is. There's literally like weeks of preparation. There's you have to pay all this money, you set your schedule. It's a lot that goes into it. So we show up to trial and the defense attorney sends uh, one of his associates and says, We have to move the trial. He's having a mental breakdown. Oh my God. He cannot. He ha, he's sick. Judge, here's some medical records to show that he needs hospital care and that we need to move the trial. Now, normally, if that happened, I'd be like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. Of course, we will move the trial. Like, sure. if you told me sure. that this or, you know, whatever, you, you had a problem, no problem. This guy was a liar, though. And so... I'm like, I don't believe this. And the judge said, well, he gave us these records, these medical records. I couldn't see them because it was like filed under seal. And I'm like, I don't believe this guy at all because he did not want to go try the case. So I called a private investigator and I said, go and see if this guy's at his office. So we get a call at about 11 o'clock that night. She's like, oh, yeah. No, this guy was at his office all day. He wasn't at the psych ward or anything. He was at his office, but I got one better for you, John. He then left his office at about four o'clock, walked to the liquor store, bought a six pack and a bottle and uh, was just drinking it and hanging out. So he had just told the judge that he had this whole crisis that required like immediate medical care and uh, he was hitting happy hour. Yeah. He had trialitis. That's what we call it. Yeah. Trialitis. So we showed that to the judge, um, which, you know, this is not something I would ever want to have to do, mm-hmm. but um, it was just fraud a kind of upon the court and fraud upon us. Um, and it's the one and only time I've ever actually done something like that. Uh, but it sh- the judge was very upset and um, he, uh, the case settled. But it goes to what you were saying earlier about credibility, right? You wouldn't have done that with somebody who didn't have a lot right. of credibility, right? Right. So, right. Yeah, it's crazy. So, well, cases <clears throat> gone wild. I think we do we have one more crazy case, Tony, that you can tell us about before we say yeah. goodbye to our listeners and viewers today. I, I got a crazy case. It's a sad case. Um, difficult case, complex case. It's a case where I represented a, a defense contractor like a paramilitary organization. Like a mercenary? Uh, not necessarily. It, it's basically the government will hire contractors to do um, certain work overseas in hostile environments. Okay, but when you say contractor, is this dude like building a, 
a house. Oh, okay. No, I, I mean that's that's fair enough. Uh, no, I, I mean these guys are all who, who are employed by my client, uh, at least in this case, were ex you know, Marine snipers, Green Berets, um, you know, Special Forces, Navy SEALs. These individuals are hired to essentially transport um, U.S. diplomats, dignitaries from different points in hostile environments. So this is like TV movie stuff. Yeah. This TV. is like special forces privately hired. So it's a private company. Yep. And they're paid at, but they get to carry guns and everything carry else. Carry guns. Right? They're on a U.S. Um, they're, on a, they're on a base in Iraq. There's other uh, military people there. The Department of State's stationed there. There's other military from other countries stationed on this particular uh, base. And base is a strong word. It's a little bit smaller size base. Um, Where, what year is this? 2009. Okay, so, so we're going to go back. That's the Iraq war still going on? Yeah, or? there's still some hostility. There's still losses, uh, you know, casualties. It's still a very dangerous place to be. Um, it's kind of during that rebuild process where you have a certain segment that don't want the rebuild to happen. So and there's a Taliban and stuff, right? There is, there is. So it's a very dangerous, hostile, high pressure, high anxiety place. And so my, um, client employs, I think we got about hundred, 150 individuals on that particular base. So you represent the company that hires and provides the special forces dudes to go over there, uh, under a contract. So the government's paying the company, right? And That's the right. the company's paying these guys. That's right. And in this case, I represented the company, the contractor, as well as about 20 of its employees who were on the base at the time of this incident. Uh, the plaintiffs were the family members of another employee of my client. And uh, it wasn't, you know, it centered on essentially a accidental death, an accidental shooting of one of my client's employees in the cases brought by uh, the decedent's family. All right, so just so we understand, sure. you're, so the plaintiff guy, the, like my, my type of work, the plaintiff is a guy who worked, like a special ops guy who worked for this company and got killed in Iraq? Well, yeah, and it would be, it wouldn't be, the plaintiff in this case, and just so I can, you know, it's just some light on it, is is the, the, the actual decedent, my, my client's employee, there cannot be a wrongful death case because they have something called the Defense Base Act. So if you're injured, I've never even the, heard yeah, of this. Before. It's kind of like work comp. If you're injured during the employment on the base, um, your exclusive remedy is to be paid by and through this Defense Base Act, so you get your pay quickly for your family, and it's a certain amount. Um, so the decedent couldn't bring the case, uh, or the estate of the decedent couldn't bring the the wrongful death case. So they had to come up with some other theory of liability. And what was the theory? Theory was intentional infliction of we're emotional back to, distress. We're I'm back telling to you, it's intentional like, you say, infliction, dude. You, you say there's no cases. I it's like I specialize in these cases. I gotta start filing these cases, apparently. Yeah. Well, not the ones we talked about on the show today. Yeah. That's uh but okay, so so the guy dies in Iraq yeah. on a base. He's a special forces yeah. dude, yeah. and his family sues the company. Yep. For his death. Yep. Now, did you have to go? Was this like in Baghdad, like uh, like court? Were you putting? No, out a, no. It a, was in it was in U.S. District Court in the in Michigan. Okay, um, federal court. Federal here. court. Yeah, and so the families, their theory of liability was essentially not over the death itself, but the uh, insinuation and the communication that they say happened, which is that their child committed suicide. Well, tell us what happens so we yeah. can understand this. Case. So what happens is that uh, the decedent goes out on a mission with several other of my client's employees. Like a special operations? Special mission? operation, taking some uh, some particular person and traveling to another point within Iraq. And, it's you like know, Black Hawk Down stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very intense, very high anxiety. They go out, they come back from the mission, and then they, you know, they're on a day, maybe off three days and back on because it's a very... It's a lot of planning that goes into these things. It's a, it's a mission, right? Yeah. Um, so they come and back. And you can get killed. And you can get killed. And very frankly, someone can kill who they're trying to protect, which is more important to these guys. Um, but when these guys come back, they want to blow some steam off. They go to a, one of the rooms and they're drinking. Um, not supposed to be drinking, but they're drinking. And, so you can't, because I see like on these movies, yeah. these war movies and shit, they're always getting fucked up when they come back from the missions. Yeah. And but I guess you can't do you that. You can't. It's supposed to be a zero tolerance uh, policy. 
Um, and, but they come back, they, they start drinking and, and the decedent and a guy's at a computer, one of their buddies at a computer playing like music. Um, and they're playing like rap music. So the decedent like gets up onto the bed, just starts, you know, waving the gun around, uh, waving his nine millimeter, waving a nine millimeter around kind of like, you know, like gangster style and, uh, screwing around his best friend who was in the Marine Corps with jumps on the bed was with he him. shooting the gun or was no? not shooting the okay. gun. Just, you know, mimicking around like was he's in a loaded? rap video. Well, let's, yeah, we'll get there. Um, no one knew it was loaded, but it was loaded. Okay. His best friend jumps up on the bed, and these guys always horseplay. So now they're tussling around in the bed, wrestling, and they jump back up, and rap music's still going on. And all of a sudden, the decedent racks the gun. So when you rack the gun, tell us what Supposedly, that means Supposedly, it's, it's to, to clear the chamber to make... Certain that there's nothing in the gun. Like so, it's, when you it's rack clear. it, it's like yeah. You like pull the the slider back, back. right? That's okay. right. That's right. And then he he gives the gun to his best friend, turn places it in his hand, turns it around on himself, and basically why would he do that? Well, unbeknownst to the other guys in the room, um, these two individuals were snipers in the Marine Corps, and there's this little known thing uh, a game called the trust me game and this game is where you have uh two comrades um basically taking a gun clearing it giving it to the best friend the comrade and saying trust me i didn't i didn't put a bolt in that chamber trust me that's how that's how much trust there has to be between these guys so a guy so in this game between snipers a guy takes the other guy's gun or his own yeah supposedly takes the bullets out of it yep cocks it and then gives it to him and says shoot yourself pull no, the trigger no basically. shoot essentially i'm it's my gun i'm clearing it giving you my gun and i'm telling you to pull the trigger on me okay trust me i didn't just give you a loaded gun to shoot me yeah yeah okay and, and that was our i mean and they pull the trigger and goes click and suppose yeah and it's a high adrenaline rush and and there's there was uh uh, testament this is the game that was played by them before uh so but no one else in the room knew this because they're maybe from in the army the seals or whatever yeah yeah this they is like they this. have specific things in different they have it's all specific so he turns it on himself he puts his hands over uh his best friend's hand says you know just do it you know encouraging what do you you know chicken use um, some sure some more so, choice so, so, words some more yeah. choice words family show um we're, we're not and, too family yeah here, but we try yeah. to keep it. Yeah. yeah. It, and 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 the gun goes off. What do you mean it goes off? It was loaded. It was loaded. Did um, he do it on purpose? Uh no, I mean th there's no there's no evidence that it was done on purpose. Um He missed, he left by accident he a made, bullet like, in. He and these guys drink, were drinking and boozing they're and stuff. drinking boozing. You oh know, my god. I, I think it was it's just when you when you play stupid games, stupid, stupid things, things happen. And, and we see it things. all the poor, time. Poor man. kid. You know, he's on the ground. They're going, rushing over to him. So he shot. He was shot. He was, just went, collapsed, done. And there's a group of kids in there who go over to try to resuscitate him, call the medics. Oh, my God. Another group, though, start throwing some, you know, beers away. As a matter of instinct, they're like zero tolerance, you know, maybe throw some stuff away. Um, they could all get in big trouble. Huge right? trouble. Yeah, there's huge, a death on the base of huge another trouble. Marine. Yeah, there's going to be a murder investigation. Huge trouble. But I mean, the, the the theory in the case was essentially that there was a huge cover-up that there was no alcohol being used uh, by these kids. But on the site, on the base, there's the Department of State, the, the regional officers who would do the investigation. And all these guys were separated immediately. And they all were like, the story I just communicated is the story that they gave. And they said, yeah, there was drinking going on. There was never a cover-up uh, as as fantastic as some of the allegations were, um, it was all communicated that way. So what's the case that I don't understand, Tony, the case that the dead kid's family brought? Because yeah. you said they can't bring, like if this happened at like Seacrest Wardle or something, yeah. there might be a, a negligence case, you know, general right. lawsuit. Right. But this was a spe this was in the in Iraq. So what did they sue for they, if they couldn't? Yeah, sure. No, that's a great question. So, so immediately upon the death, there was a uh, individual stationed stateside uh, representing the company and that particular program that they were contracted to do in Iraq. He was the one that was communicating here in Michigan with the family, notifying them of the death. Um, now, the, 
the claim was that there was insinuations that um, the decedent committed suicide. So they, he claims that they basically like kind of defamed by misrepresenting yeah. his death because he didn't try to kill him. He didn't like put the no, gun to his head yeah. and pull the trigger. Yeah, they they were essentially saying that um, my client was was trying to insinuate suicide, and they were doing that to cover up the um, drinking that was going on overseas to save a defense contract. Um, now, the reality, of course, is when the communication was made, the representative didn't know anything. And he was like, there was an accidental discharge, which you know is true. And he didn't know the circumstances because all of that investigation was being performed by the Department of State. My client had no, was not privy to it. Now, the, the individuals were being questioned, uh, but they weren't privy to it. And even um, within about three days, which is where the story gets really crazy, um, within three days of the, the incident, after um, the poor kid expires, some of those individuals who are in the room are allowed to come back to go to the funeral. Um, and, and that's another reason why my client uh, and the representative of Michigan is to receive the body because there's a lot of paperwork that goes on to get someone from Iraq to Michigan for the burial process, which my client took care of. But they also allowed certain individuals to come back to the uh, to Michigan to visit the family, to pay the respects. And one of those individuals was the actual shooter, the best friend. And, oh and the family knew him. Um, the family knew him as the best friend. Uh, the wife, the widow knew him as the best friend. Uh, but the strangest thing occurred uh, which came out, which is once the shooter came back and, and he told the family that it was an accident, told them and told the widow confidentially that, you know, he was the one whose hand was on the gun. Um, when this went off and there was an accident, there was no suicide. So the family knew. Um, but of course they were, they were mad. They, they lost his son, right? I mean, I get it. Um, they wanted someone to pay for it. But in terms of the theories of the case, I think it was it was thin. But what was strange was is that when the shooter comes back to talk to the wife, the widow, he talks to her at his family's home with with the decedent's family there, talks to him her so upstairs. So the shooter who gave the gun or the, the shooter who, who pulled the trigger pulled the trigger goes to the wife of the dead guy. Yeah. To like give his condolences, give condolences, and share, say sorry, say sorry. This say, is crazy. And and what's even crazier is that they go upstairs and they sleep with one another. What? What? You can't make. Wait this a minute. Stuff up. Wait a minute. It's Wait crazy. A minute. It's crazy. How do you have all these like sex cases? I this don't is know. Crazy. Yeah, I just it's like you know. So so the dude goes to say like I'm sorry to the wife. Yeah, and then. Ha gives her the boyfriend experience it's 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 incredible it's, the it's, same time it, that he says like hey i'm sorry he's dead but why don't we go upstairs and, and i think i mean i guess the the theory is that you know i guess the theory is that they they both shared a loss of their best friend and they want to just condole, console each other the only way they know how and that was that's how, how. they said goodbye to him and another theory is well was that the first time i mean there's a lot of un yeah that's crazy right that's um, crazy but it was a, it was just a strange, strange case, and and what gets lost in all this? I mean, look, cases are weird. They take weird twists. They do. Um, I mean, the, the they earlier, go wild. They they go real wild. I mean, it's a sad case, though. I mean, that's a case. That's, it is that's a sad, sad case. case of the family, but it's a weird case. It's just weird, strange things happen. It's weird. Um, and and I find that in a lot of cases that you know, even in cases where you're like you feel bad, it's like. This is the craziest thing. And sometimes you leave the cases, even if they get resolved confidentiality, with more questions than you do answers. Yeah, that's a very good cases. point. So that's a very good point. So was this case ultimately resolved? It was resolved. Court? It was resolved confidentiality. Um, which again, there's certain cases that, you know, I love trying cases. Um, but it's tough, you know. One of the things I think trial lawyers gotta consider on both sides is you know, putting their egos aside is what is this going to do? Not just to their client, but to the opposing side and to the families and the family, because I mean, look at it, it. You'll get penalty strokes. If you start doing things enforcing things where you may have could have resolved and it was the best interest of, of all the parties. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, so, 
So we're resolving. Dude, you, well, this this has been some crazy cases today. You know, you should add on to your bio sex lies and videotape <laughs> cases because uh, I didn't know that you had all these crazy cases gone wild like that. That's but fun. Thank you, Tony, for coming on hey, the show, thank, man. Hey, John, this was good, John, dude. it's a pleasure, man. This was great, man. Until next time. And I hope, hopefully I see you soon, but hopefully not on the other side of my case because yeah. I, you know. I, a little easier to uh, and if i do you got to be worried about what is lurking around the corner yeah the first thing i'm going to do is tell my client uh yeah make make sure that you don't hit people with crowbars uh go and be an escort yeah. or <laughs> have sexual relations yeah. with the other side yeah so good advice all good advice yeah thanks <laughs> okay everyone it's been another awesome episode of cases gone wild thank you so much for tuning in and listening or remember you can actually watch the video on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe, please tell your friends, and if you need legal help in anything, please contact me, www.marcolaw.com is our website. We got all kind of good stuff on there. Or give us a call, 313-777-7LAW. Until next time, this is John Marco for Cases Gone Wild.